Praise the Lord and welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis on this beautiful Monday morning here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. I'm in the studio and we're gathered around God's Word this morning. I hope you'd get your Bibles and follow along with us with maybe pencil and paper and get ready to see some powerful truths in God's righteous words. I'm telling you, we had a grand time in the Lord yesterday here at Crossway Church. And if you live in this area anywhere within 50, 100 miles, Miles, it'd be worth your drive in on Sunday morning and Wednesday evening as well at 6.40 p.m. on Wednesday evenings, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. And uh, we're just thrilled to be able to gather with the Lord and His people and to worship Him in spirit and in truth and hear the word of the Lord and be growing together, striving together for the faith of the gospel and boasting in the cross alone. And uh, I am just excited to be walking in this great truth right here in, the, in my life right now. And uh, so grab your Bibles this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1. This will be part 2 today on this last day of July 2023. And uh, let me just say that Determined Camp Meeting is only a couple months, a little over a couple months away, October the 5th through the 8th. And you don't want to miss the Determined Camp Meeting. Uh, there are a lot of negative things said about uh, people who, you know, are learning as the Apostle Paul to become determined to know nothing else. And, but we just, you know, we just don't pay attention to those things. We keep looking and beholding the Lamb of God. The Lord has to have somebody somewhere for His people to, to be able to glean from, to, to see that the, the early church, the Apostle Paul, what they experienced can surely be experienced by his people here in the latter rain right now. And I just happen to be one of those that believe that. And I'm holding that dear to my heart that the Lord has by his grace, the spirit of grace brought us to this place where we can now stand in this great liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and we, we can, by His Spirit, through faith, receive the grace to know nothing other but Christ and Him crucified and learn to make that our only boast and to be able to rebuke with all long-suffering, continually rebuke everything that's pointing away from Calvary and what, it, what are those things? Whatever's not pointing to Calvary is pointing away from Calvary. So all of God's words must be and will be by the Holy Spirit used to point us to the one that Jesus said they were about, that being Him. And what makes the scriptures about Him is who He would be for us on the tree of Calvary. Hallelujah. I'm so glad to know that. And in spite of all the negative things that people make up and say and, 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 and they, you know, all these things, we just keep striving together for the faith of the gospel with those others who are striving together for the faith of the gospel. And we're praying that more and more would uh, let go of their silliness and foolishness and get on board in these last few moments of this church age. So, and uh, I'm just, I'm just tickled. I'm just tickled to, to be walking in the great truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's, 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 I'm telling you, the best thing that can happen to a lost person is that they are born again. The best thing that can happen to the Christian is that they learn to live by faith, that they learn how to live by God or for God, that they learn how the Holy Spirit works, which is exclusively through faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. We're going to see some great things this morning here in 2 Peter chapter 1. Again, this is part 2 of this chapter. So let's back up and read verse 1 because we're just now going to be in verse 2 today. So 
verse 1, lead us right into it. Amen. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's writing a letter to those of us who have obtained this like precious faith with them. Notice these words. We covered it in the last session. Through the righteousness of God. Faith only comes through the righteousness of God. Initially and every time faith comes, it comes through the righteousness of hearing God's Word. But remember, hearing God's Word in its righteous context, our faith cannot come. And it closes verse 1 out by saying, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, so that we won't just take you know, this scripture, this Bible verse, and, and say that, well, we've obtained you know, this like precious faith through what I did or what they said or what they know. We've obtained it through the righteousness of God, meaning the hearing of God's word in its gospel context because it's the only place righteousness is revealed Romans 1, 16 and 17. But it's not just through the righteousness of God, but and, and this doesn't mean there's two separate things here. This is, this is one thing. And our Savior, Jesus Christ, because He is the righteousness of God, and He taking all of our sin upon Him, He became our sin-bearing offering that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So it took Christ coming and Christ dying for us to be able to be forgiven from our sin and for us to be able to be made righteous and servants of righteousness, Romans uh, 17 and 18. There is no service to God outside of serving righteousness. And there is absolutely no service to God, no serving righteousness without our faith being deliberately and consciously in that which made us righteous and made us servants of righteousness. We're talking about a conscious faith, my friend. I said in our message yesterday morning here at Crossway Church that faith can't be something floating around in the subconscious of your mind. It has to be something in the forefront of your mind. If it's not, how can you bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? How can you and I be found literally in the, the activity of faith of presenting our bodies a living sacrifice to God? It's not going to happen if faith... Because some Christians think, well, I, you know, I don't have to be thinking about this all the time. It, I just, it's just in the back of my mind and I'm not... Con no, my friend, that, that faith, faith don't work that way. Faith is something that is substance. Now, faith is substance of what I'm hoping for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Amen. That don't happen by faith just being back here somewhere floating around. And, you know, I think Christians think that. I think they're just living and everything they're doing is by faith and through faith and without the, even any kind of acknowledgement of the Lamb slain. And the faith that we live by, that means moment by moment, that means consciously, that means step by step, the faith that we live by is the Faith of the Son of God that loved us and gave Himself for us. You do understand that, right? It's just because I go to church or read my Bible or do some good deed doesn't mean that I'm living by faith. I have to be consciously... I have to have my faith consciously and deliberately in my Redeemer. Listen, you say, well, I don't really agree with that. I don't really always have to have have my faith. Well, then 
you have to you have to be honest at least I would hope to admit every time we do a big piece of stupid it's because our mind has not been stayed on the Lord and we were not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ and 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 I know the Bible teaches that if you walk after the spirit walk in the spirit you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh that's a promise that's now that's in your life now the problem is we don't always walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5 teaches that. Go look it, at it there if, if, if you are not aware of what I'm telling you. Galatians 5 plainly teaches that if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But our problem is that we do not moment by moment walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? We do not moment by moment consciously, deliberately have our faith literally anchored in the slain lamb. Oh, we believe what happened at Calvary took place. We would never deny it. We were saved through that. But the, our problem is we're not trusting and depending upon that moment by moment. Christianity is a moment by moment. It's not Sunday meeting by Sunday meeting by Sunday meeting. It's moment by moment. It's every thought captive. It's a walk with our Lord. It is, it is a relationship. It is a marriage. We are married to Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and the Bible says that if, if, if our mind is... He who has his mind stayed, kept... On the Lord, he shall have, he, the Lord will minister to him perfect peace. This is unshakable and unbreakable peace. And we need that. So you need to know these things. The, the, the church as a whole today, uh, very few Christians even gather to receive the truth of God's Word to, to be able to take it and to live it. And those most of those that think they are are not hearing the word in its righteous context. And faith can't come. If we don't hear God's word in its righteous context, meaning the context of Christ crucified, then, then we're hearing it in an unrighteous manner. And all that can be produced is ungodliness and unrighteousness, even if it's things we're working hard to accomplish and to do, even if we think we're doing the word it's why we, we, we quit and we fall back and we throw the towel in because we, it wasn't faith that came and now we're looking for the next thing to do, the next thing to do instead of keeping our faith anchored in the sacrifice of Christ moment by moment. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So you, you must know these things and, and there's few in the church that even have a desire to know these things. And I mean... I'm telling you, when you start hearing the message of God's uh, righteousness through Genesis, through Revelation, your heart's going to leap with joy if you, if you have a heart that fears the Lord, if you have a, a Spirit-taught heart. Uh, because the Holy Spirit is only going to point you using God's Word to the sacrifice of Christ because there's the only place we can understand it and be given direction to walk in it and, and, and it work out according to God's will. And it's the only place that we're going to be able to experience God according to the Scriptures. Amen. So let's look at this in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Notice again, already in verse 2, the, the, the Holy Spirit is reminding us that this can't work outside of and of Jesus our Lord. All the knowledge that we think we have of God, all the knowledge we think we have of God's Word, it is not going to do us any good unless it is in the context of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. He's mentioned as Savior Jesus Christ in verse 1. He's mentioned as Jesus our Lord in verse 2. 
If you move away from the focus of Jesus, there cannot be an impartation of God's Word. He is the living Word, and the only way that He can live as the Word of God in you is by His Spirit. And His Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, (coughs) hear me this morning, the Spirit of grace... The only way that experience can be there is if our faith is deliberately and consciously anchored in the very object it was placed in to allow the Holy Spirit of truth and grace to move inside of us and to begin the work initially. Those that believe that God is just going to work anyway without our conscious and deliberate faith in the sacrifice of Jesus must really be saying that there are people who can be saved without that deliberate and conscious faith in Jesus and His sacrifice. It all started the right way for the child of God. And if it doesn't continue that way, believing in that sacrifice, not knowing that it did happen, but depending on that, trusting in your union with Christ through faith in that sacrifice, then it's not going to work out. And we move into the pretending instead of the contending for the faith. We move into a place of pretending and preachers don't know it and they're not preaching it. A lady recently brought up a man's name and who's been around much of the preaching and focus of the cross, but she asked me about him and what I thought about him, and I said, he doesn't know the message of the cross as it pertains to uh, living for God day by day, moment by moment. She said, well, how do you know he doesn't know it? I said, because he's not preaching it. Ministers of righteousness are pointing you to Calvary because there is no other opportunity for righteousness to be in our lives with the fruit of it. We were made righteous in Christ Jesus because we accepted from the heart that righteousness He worked for us on the tree of Calvary. There will be not one ounce of fruit for the babe in Christ nor the mature in Christ. There will not be one ounce of fruit that is ever bare out that does not flow through a deliberate and a conscious faith in the slain lamb. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. And Revelation 5 and 12 says that He had to be slain to receive. Blessing, glory, honor, power, everything that we have access to, we only have access to it through that one object of faith The Lamb slain, Christ crucified, covered in a phrase the New Testament calls the cross. This is why God says He forbids that our boast be in anything other than the cross. And preachers are preaching what their boast is in. Preachers are teaching what their boast and what their faith is in. So it's easy to tell the difference between God's ministers of righteousness and those who just use God's Word for all sorts of other reasonings other than to make the lost righteous and to show the righteous the path that God leads on, which is only the path of righteousness. It's easy to tell the difference. Here it is now. Proverbs 12 and 17 says, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. That means the false witness is using God's Word to show something that seems right to man, but it's not right. The the ministers of righteousness are using God's words in their righteous context as the truth that liberates. 
the law of liberty, not the law of you doing, the law of what Christ did. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So you need to know these things and lay hold on these things. And when you finally subject yourself to the truths of these things you're hearing, then you will have no problem in getting up and getting out and getting away from where the focus is not Calvary. The focus and the boast must be in Calvary alone. Alone, It is the focus of all of heaven makes heaven what it is. And if the church is going to be here now as it is in heaven, then we're going to have to learn how to gather around the Lamb and not our different thoughts and opinions. And The Lamb, that's enough. The Lamb is enough. I said the Lamb of God is enough. Just get together about the Lamb. Worship the Lamb. Gather around the Lamb. Boast in the Lamb. And all these other things that make no difference anyway will fall to the wayside because only as our faith is in the Lamb being slain, literally, deliberately, and consciously can God teach us the correct things we need to know anyway and guide us into the truths we need to be walking in anyway, only as we're found by God striving together for the faith of the gospel is He going to be able to bring about His will through the body of Christ. Outside of that, it's us working hard. It's us trying hard. It's us weeping tears that aren't going to do any good. It's us having false gatherings of false unity with no end of any purpose except what we've got going on vainly in our mind. If Listen, if we don't gather around the Lamb, we not gathered in the name of Jesus. If we don't gather around the Lamb, then that means we're choosing to stay divided. Glory be to God. There are ministries in towns and cities that have been preaching the focus of the Lamb for years. So my friends, wherever that is, run to that place. Wherever that is, run to that place. You preachers listening to me right now, whoever you are, if you want true unity, you're going to have to go find that unity where the focus is the Lamb. Not this and that and all the other. No, there's one focus of heaven, one focus of God, one faith, one object of faith. And when you finally find God bringing you to that place, you're going to have to go get hooked up in those fellowships. Not all this other stuff. Not all this other stuff just for the sake of Jesus. No, let me say something, my friend. We're not gathered in Jesus' name unless we're gathered around the Lamb. And, and there's not many who's going to want to do that. And even the ones that pretend they are, they're going to go back and they're going to keep preaching the focus of everything but the Lamb. The Lamb is heaven's focus. It is what He is what makes heaven what heaven is. He, the slain lamb, is what makes the church what it is here and now. Will you be a part of that move of God? Because there is not two. There is not two moves of God. There's one. There are those who are gathered around the lamb being moved by his spirit. Everybody else is just under law or living as though they are using the terminology of God's word. Those who are gathered around the lamb the sacrifice are being instructed and, and, and they're walking in the light with their Savior who is in the light of His righteousness. Hallelujah. So verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Let's talk about that this morning. Grace and peace, if, if it can be multiplied to me, that means there is more for me than I have now. Get that. God's will, and that's what this letter is about, grace and peace is not going to be multiplied to me because I read this. I'm told right here that grace and peace can be multiplied to me if I remain in the place 
through where not the knowledge of God comes to me. And that place is not different than the place it came to me in the first place it came to me, which was Christ crucified, the gospel. That's what it means. That's what the Holy Spirit means when he says, and of Jesus our Lord. See, if he didn't add that at the end of this verse, we could just do what we wanted to with this and think that it's any old knowledge that grace and peace can be multiplied to us. But know this, grace is what God does. This is the, Listen, the greatest thing you will ever hear about grace after you, 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 you've been saved by grace is, is not only that it's God's unmerited favor and goodness toward undeserving men, those definitions are true. But what you need to be hearing as a child of God is that God's grace is what God is doing by His Spirit, who is the Spirit of grace. The Spirit, you, you never even hear this about the Spirit of truth, the Comforter, the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has another name in the Bible. He's called the Spirit of grace because if God is working in your life, my friends, it's by His Spirit through the faith in the sacrifice of Christ that he finds. The way everything began is the way it will continue or it will not continue. We will find our place as the apostle Paul did in Romans chapter 7 verse 9 when he says, I was alive, that means born again once without the law because the law couldn't make him alive. He was alive once. He was born again without the law. But when the commandment came, when he turned back to try to live for God according to the commandment in his own strength, sin the sin nature revived and the apostle said he died. And that's what happens every time that we try to trust in anything other than the slain lamb. The sin nature revives and we die. Now, I'm not talking about we do a big piece of stupid. I'm not talking about when we just run after something through a fleshly lust. I'm talking about when we replace the object of our faith from Jesus crucified to something that men tell us that we have to do to be saved or we have to do to be sanctified. That we, something we can carry out in the natural means, then we've moved the object of our faith from the sacrifice of Christ to something we're doing. And just like the Holy Spirit told the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 3, who bewitched you? How have you become so foolish to think that you can begin in the Spirit and now try to continue this work of God's perfection through your flesh? Anything that I'm, not, anything that I'm trusting in that's not the cross of Christ is me trusting in the arm of men's flesh, what I can do. I can't do this. I can't ever produce one ounce of the fruit of my salvation. I can bear the fruit of my salvation if I'm working out my own salvation. You see, that's what God is working in me, both to will and to do of His good pleasure is that finished work of Christ. I can't produce in me any fruit of my salvation. God has to work that in me and I can work out of the salvation, the work of His salvation for me that took place on Calvary's cross, I can work out of that place alone by faith in that what Christ did for me alone or it's not going to be me bearing the fruit working out of that place of my salvation which means I'm working out what God has already finished but He's working it in me. Hallelujah. So grace, never forget this. Grace is what God is doing. God saved you. God teaches you. You labor by the grace of God. It's God working in you both to will and do of His good pleasure. You can't, I hope you never say the word grace again that the Holy Spirit doesn't, mind, doesn't remind you 
that grace is what God is doing. Even if you turn it around to say, no, grace is uh, what I'm doing by the Spirit of God. Well, Paul said that, I labor, but by the grace of God. That means by the Spirit of grace, because there is no laboring outside of faith in the cross. Not in our experience. The Bible says, unless the Lord build the house, the laborers labor in vain. The Lord built the house on the tree of Calvary. Jesus said, you tear this temple down, I'll rebuild it in three days. Jesus is the house of God. Jesus is the house of God that God built. Oh, and we work out of that house. Hallelujah. We go out, we come in. We go out, we come in. We work out what God's working in. Hallelujah. Jesus is the house that God built. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. And there's more grace. That means God wants to multiply His grace and peace towards you. But it's, it's an impossibility for that to happen just because I read this. It doesn't happen because I read this. It doesn't happen because I know God wants it for me. It doesn't happen because I ask God to do it. It happens when God finds my faith in that which gave me, gave me my new beginning in the Spirit. Let's read Galatians. I didn't intend on this, but this is a Bible study. Let's go do it. Let's... Read Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, and see what we're talking about here as far as we were saved by grace and we begin to live by grace through faith. Get this now. And this is a, 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 a church, the church in Galatia, who had replaced the object of their faith from being Christ crucified now uh, uh, being bewildered and bewitched by these who were under the law and would not accept the way of Christ crucified as God's answer and they were still teaching circumcision among many other things. And so watch what happens here. The Holy Spirit tells them what they're going to have to hear and know and accept if they're going to turn around and come back to the place where grace is located and where grace can be multiplied. Watch. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And know this, outside of faith in the sacrificial lamb, consciously and deliberately, there is no obedience to the truth. None. So everybody right now who's trying to read the Bible, study the Bible, and walk in truth, be obedient to the truth, if the object of their faith consciously and deliberately is not Jesus crucified, they are not obeying the truth. God only sees obedience to the truth when our faith is in His Son's obedience unto death. You need to know that. We'll see that right here. Watch this. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently, obviously set forth, crucified among you. They didn't see this with their natural eyes, but the Apostle Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, which was demonstrating the power, His power, the power of God among them by preaching the gospel to them, it's as if they saw it themselves, just like you and me. This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? See, he goes back to where they received the Spirit and began to walk in the Spirit. And he asked them, did you receive the Spirit? And we'll see it here. He's, he's going to ask him, did you begin the, your walk in the Spirit based on what you did or what you heard and believed? Watch. 
Verse 2 again. This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? You see, if it's not a deliberate and conscious, let me say that again. The church needs to hear this. Most won't, but there will be a few that do because there's a few that fear the Lord and the promise is to those that fear the Lord, He will make known His covenant to them. Psalms 50, uh, uh, 25, 14. We begin in the Spirit by becoming obedient to the truth by believing from the heart what Jesus did for us at Calvary. When the object of our faith is moved to the government of 12, because it can't be Christ crucified and the government of 12, because Jesus Christ crucified and anything else eliminates us from walking in the Spirit and being obedient to the truth. Oh, I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that. Anything that we add to Christ and Him crucified for any aspect of salvation or working out our own salvation eliminates us from the multiplied grace and peace the Lord desires us to have. Because in the fifth chapter of this letter to the Galatian church, he tells them, you have fallen from grace. It's not talking about they're on their way to hell now, they've lost their salvation. Because Paul knew what it meant to fall from grace, to fall from the fruitful place, to fall from the place where the fruit of the Holy Spirit can be there. We change the object of our faith. And let me say this, when you add to what Christ has done, you have changed the object of your faith. You might have always thought, well, no, I always believe in that, but I also know that God has given us this to be able to... No, no, no. When you add to Christ crucified... It's not that you, your thought process is, well, I still believe that too. No, you've changed what that is. If you add to the cross of Christ, you've changed not just from the object of faith to something else, but you've changed that and what it means for you. It's either enough and unchangeable as God's work that is perfect and complete and you've accepted that and now you will add nothing else and preach and teach nothing else or you've changed what that means to you. We've all done it. You see, when we add to what Christ has done and we do when we accept the Emmaus walk, the purpose-driven life, the promise keepers, anything else we say, yes, the cross and, but what we're doing in that is telling God the cross wasn't enough all by itself. That the work really, not all the work and what's needed to see the work in my life wasn't really complete and finished there and perfect enough. And what we're doing like that, and I, and I never have even thought of this before right now in this moment, so I'm thankful to the Holy Spirit for giving me this right now, and that is to change the object of our faith from the cross to something else when we're led astray through the lust of our own flesh to trust in all these other things. It's because we in our heart have already changed what we think about the cross. When we are carried away through the lust of our own flesh, it's because we've been overcome by our flesh. And when did that happen, my friend? When did that happen? When was I carried off through the lust of my flesh by something other than faith in the sacrifice when I was not deliberately and consciously trusting from my heart in the death of Jesus as enough for me. Enough for me. That's what you have to come to the conclusion of, my friends. 
that Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary is enough. Paul knew that's what God meant when God told him when he was begging God to take the thorn away from him that God had given him for a good reason. When the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Now, Paul grabbed a hold of what that meant. By his response, we know that Paul knew what God was talking about because Paul said, all right then, I'll just go ahead and glory right here in my infirmities and weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What is the power of Christ? It's the power of the Lamb that was slain. Remember, Revelations 5 and 12, the worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power. And for that power to rest upon us, our faith must remain in, exclusively in, what Jesus did as the Lamb to receive that power so that that power can rest upon us. This is what we must know for all things. This is what we must know to be able to present our bodies a living sacrifice unto our God moment by moment. And it's when we find ourselves not functioning and boasting in this sacrificial lamb that we're carried off through the lust of our own flesh unto these other things or to go after things that's not the will of God. Every big piece of stupid that we've ever done, it's while we were not walking in the Spirit which means we were not found by God obeying the truth, which means we were not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ. Oh, we still believe in the cross, but every big piece of stupid we do happens every time when we are not trusting in the sacrificial lamb. Let me prove it again by what Galatians 5 teaches that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But our problem is we do not find ourselves every moment of our lives walking in the Spirit. Even those of us who know what it means to walk in the Spirit, having exclusive faith in Christ crucified, our boast only there. We know this now. Few do all over the world, but if you're listening to me, you probably do. But that doesn't mean that we're always, when we come to a situation, are going to trust in Christ crucified. Because we're in this flesh body. And if we're not living by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, then we're not living in experience. We're not experiencing Christ. And if we're not experiencing Christ, we cannot express him. Let me say this powerful statement. Maybe you'll write it down. Let the Lord minister to you. Only to the degree that we experience Christ can we express Christ. And only to the degree that we're seeing and yielding to what the Holy Spirit is always delivering us who are alive to, that being the death of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 4.11, only to the degree that we're willing to look at, behold that glorious image, and yield to what happened at Calvary, are we not only not going to be found being made conformable to that, but we're not going to be found walking in the Spirit and we are going to be found walking in the flesh as though, as though we're being led by our flesh again. I hope you know these things. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, always delivers us who are alive unto death. Why? It tells us there in 2 Corinthians 4.11 that we might express in this body now the life of Christ. That, the word always is in there. 
And you'll have to admit it if you're an honest person that it's only in those times that we go and do the big piece of stupid we do. It's only in those moments we're not trusting deliberately and consciously in Christ crucified and reckoning from our heart our place of union with Him by reckoning ourselves to be dead indeed unto the sin nature. It's only in those moments you had that thought and you did not take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And the longer we do not take those thoughts that come into our minds, the longer we wait to take them to Christ crucified, to His obedience unto death, the longer and the more powerful the captivity they will bring us into. And we'll begin to faint and we'll begin to grow weary. And the Bible teaches that lest you grow weary and faint in your minds, you better consider the one who endured such contradiction of sinners. The answer for all the will of God to take place is man's trust in Christ and what He did at Calvary. This is a choice. People are now making the phrase up, well, they're just out there self-determined. That's a self-determination. My friend, you're not going to make your boast in Calvary. Self ain't going to play no part of that. Although you do have a choice to make. You, who you are, you have a choice to make in who you're going to trust in. They're, man, they'll say anything. Now, I heard just recently, uh, they, that's just a bunch of folks out there. That ain't nothing but a self-determination. Self is never going to determine to take up the cross and follow Christ. Self has to be denied the right to be determined to know everything else but Christ and Him. Self has to be denied to be able to be determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. So all these little, little phrases that men use, or they've made a law out of preaching the cross, or all these other things that come out of the lips of those who are making excuses as to why they are not choosing, choosing to be determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. And the word choosing has to come into play here because you get to choose moment by moment what you're going to trust in. You had to choose to believe in Jesus to be saved. God didn't save you without you choosing to believe. And you will not live this Christian life according to the Scriptures unless you choose to yield to that form of doctrine you yielded to initially that saved you. There will be no serving God. Going to church, reading the Bible, even getting up and teaching and preaching, singing in the choir and the praising. It don't matter what all we do. There is no serving God if we are not serving righteousness. That's what Romans 6 teaches. And this is what 90-something percent of the church doesn't know anything about. That's why we don't move on from the focus of Calvary. That's one reason. So in verse 2 here, 2 Peter chapter 1, we see that grace and peace, God desires it to be multiplied to us. And He also wants us to know that it's through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Where did He become Lord to us? At Calvary. Jesus began His reign. Listen, Jesus began His reign as Lord on the tree of Calvary. He didn't begin His reign when He got to heaven and was seated on the throne. Jesus was triumphing over all, all, all principalities and powers in His cross. He was making a public spectacle of them, an open show of shaming them in His death on the cross. On the cross is where He became Lord of all. 
Savior of all through His work of salvation on the tree, His work of righteousness at the cross. I want you to know that. God wants you to know that. This is what it means through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's turn over as the Lord is reminding me of John 17 verse 3 and look at this powerful Bible verse. And this is, Jesus said, eternal life that they might know you the only true God. But not just so, just so people can't run with that and think that knowing God could be through a, a tree or a cloud or a, a blade of grass or something they make. Listen, and this is, Jesus is defining eternal life. Watch this. And this is life eternal. That they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You see, the Holy Spirit words the, the Scriptures in the perfect wording so that we can't just take Scripture and run off and do something different with it. <clears throat> if that were the case, how could we all be in the experience of one mind? How could we all be speaking the same thing? 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. How could we all be of the one mind, of the one spirit, striving together for the faith of the gospel if we weren't told in the scriptures where our faith has to be to experience this one mind, this one faith, this one Lord, this one way of victory, this one way of fellowship. This one way of unity. Hallelujah. Amen. Watch this now. Let's read this again. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. This tells me today, right now, that the Holy Spirit wants us to see there's more grace, there's more of God's will for your life to be carried out by Him. And, it, and, and there's more peace for you in this world where peace is rare. I mean, we're blessed to live in America, uh, even though it is collapsing, and soon it will collapse overnight. Soon, it, hear me this morning, soon it will completely collapse overnight and be precisely just like any old third world country in a moment this nation will collapse and men's hearts will fail them and people will begin to kill themselves over their God of money not being able to take care of them anymore. Listen to me carefully. You're going to need this grace multiplied in the near Near days ahead, you're going to need this grace multiplied and this peace multiplied for you in the devastating dark times that are about to fall upon this backslidden nation, this nation who's forsaken God, who's pushed God out of it. And when you do that, the only repercussions that can happen is the consequences of being without God. Look at the school system. Look at the government system, that the civil service system for the most part in our nation doesn't want anything to do with God, although they claim they know God. It is not the God of the Bible they know. And God is going to allow great, dark, devastating times to take place on this nation. And in the midst of it, He will have a people who knows where to find His grace and peace being multiplied. It's through the knowledge, knowing Him, not in some vain imagination, but knowing Him through the knowledge He offers us of Jesus, His Son, who is our Lord. This is, and at the end of the Apostle Paul's life, he's still crying out that I may know Him. 
because there's more of Him to know. There's more of Christ to know. And He is what we need to know. He is who we need to know for every step of the journey. My friends, what we, we've got a place that's secure in heaven, but right now is when I need to be walking with a heart of security and assurance in Him. And that does not happen here now without my faith being exclusively in the Lamb of God. Not, I know about the cross, I believe in the cross, man. No, I am trusting in my union with Christ, in the place I'm hidden with Him, which is in His death. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Watch this now. And there's a lot that could be taught here about grace and peace. We could teach Years on grace. We could teach years on peace. But Jesus is the one who brought the grace of God by His tasting of death by that grace on Calvary's tree. Jesus, Hebrews 2 and 9 tell us that, that Jesus by the grace of God tasted death for all men. So there's the only place by faith that we can taste and see moment by moment, that the Lord is good, hallelujah, without doubt. It doesn't matter what we've been through. It doesn't matter the horrors that we've experienced. It's the only place we can continue to taste and see that God is good is where Jesus tasted death for us by the grace of God. And that's on Calvary's tree. Colossians 1 and 20 tell us that Jesus made our peace through the blood of His cross. And my friend, you don't get peace just because you say you believe in the cross and it were. You get peace, literally, Jesus becomes your experiential peace in the midst of whatever when you're trusting in the Lamb. Remember... You need to go study 2 Corinthians 4.11. Most of the church is not going to tolerate that scripture. They'll say, yeah, 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 I see it and I believe it. Then they'll say, get it out of here. Let's move on. That's the flesh. You can't move on from scriptures like 2 Corinthians 4.11 because that's a scripture that shows us where the Holy Spirit always delivers us unto so that we can understand the Scriptures, walk in the light of the Scriptures. The Lamb is the light. Hallelujah. It's the place the Holy Spirit delivers us unto always so that we can not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to and we can experience the expression of our Savior. It's the death of Christ. If that's not involved in all of our Bible study, if that's not involved in all of what we say faith means, then we are lacking. We shouldn't be lacking. We're in Christ where there is no lack. But in our experience, we will be lacking. And grace not only will not be being multiplied, but we could very easily, and I've been there, I've been there, and those who've not come out of what I used to be in, and they've not, if they've not come back to this focus, they're still there. It's been 20 years since I was in that mess, and I've experienced this being in a place of preaching grace while being fallen from grace. Preaching grace and peace while being fallen from grace. You see, you can be preaching and teaching on grace and fallen from grace at the same time if you're not pointing to the Lamb, not just to the lost to be saved, but pointing to the Lamb, to the church to live saved. Because grace is what God does, and God doesn't work outside of His new covenant law, which is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And when our faith is in, meaning the death of Christ Jesus, then grace is being multiplied and peace is being multiplied in our hearts and in our lives. This, this is one of my favorite chapters in all of God's Word. I love all of God's Word, but this is one of my favorite chapters, especially lately.
even more so is it precious to my heart. And you and I are going to see, because the Lord is showing us His covenant in this chapter, some great and marvelous truths that will allow us to behold the Lamb in a greater light and the path that God has set us on will surely shine more in the days ahead. If your heart is open to truth and that you know that truth is Christ and Him crucified, then God is going to be able to impart great truths out of His gospel into your heart. Behold the Lamb of God and never look away because the Holy Spirit is not showing you anything other he will show you everything through that, but He won't show you anything other than the Lamb and through the Lamb, your faith therein, what He wants to do in your life and what you need Him to do in your life. It's been a great, great Bible study today. And I'm so encouraged by the more and more and more of God's people who are coming back to an exclusive boast in the cross. A move of God that started some 25 or so years ago and continues today, continues today. These great revival fires that are not what men have called revival. Revival is awakening, a coming back to the cross, allowing God to gather you with His people around the sacrifice of the Lamb, the great truth of Calvary. Outside of that, there is no revival. There is no obedience. There is no anything with God outside of that faith. And I'm thankful to know that. Anything not of that faith is the sin nature at work, Romans 14, 23. So I encourage you to tune in every Monday morning and Friday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time here with us online at the Crossway Church, Queen City, Texas Facebook page. And you'll also find these teachings uploaded to the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316. I'm so thankful for this great revival that began for me some 18 years ago. We're about to have our 18-year anniversary celebration this week, this next Sunday. It'll be 18 years that God began this work of preaching and being determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified on August the 5th, 2005. I'm thankful for all those who are helping us publish this word and this faith. I praise God for every one of you. Pray for us. And I pray for you right now that the Lord's touch be upon your life and that whatever you need Him to be for you today, you will find Him being that for you today through faith in His sacrifice. God bless you. We love you. If the Lord stirs your heart to give an offering to Him, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. Help us preach this to the ends of the earth. Help God be able to reach through this ministry to the ends of this world. I love you. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.